0: Hi friends, welcome to Rainbow Parenting, where we talk about the intersections of queerness, transness, and childhood. I am your host, Lynns Amer. I have a very special episode for you today, which is what I say about every episode. <laughs> but this one, uh, I'm I'm really excited for this conversation because I am talking to Aaron Reed, also known as at Aaron in the Morn Aaron in the morning, and Erin is a person who has been tracking the anti-trans legislation that's been going on in the United States across state legislatures for years and years and years, and she has just incredible insights on what is happening right now and surprisingly, (laughs) maybe for you all, uh, uh, a lot of hope for the future. And I also have a lot of hope for the future. So I am really excited for you all to hear from Erin about the patterns and trends that she's watched over the years related to this stuff. I also spoke to Erin at a very interesting time in her life. We spoke at the end of April, and that was during the week when Aaron's now fiance representative Zoe Zephyr of the Montana legislature who is uh the only I believe trans woman elected to the legislature there um was going through some very public national news about being uh barred from speaking on the in the state legislature in Montana for uh very obviously anti-trans reasons so I got to talk to Aaron kind of in the middle of all that happening and uh An exciting turn of events is that a few days after our interview, Representative Zephyr proposed Aaron. So, huge, huge congratulations to Aaron and Representative Zephyr. How absolutely exciting, and what a perfect way to go into this conversation that I have with Aaron all about optimism and creative activism and some hope and optimism for the future. Just a little bit of business before we get into the conversation. As you all probably know, my book, Rainbow Parenting, Your Guide to Raising Queer Kids and Their Allies, is out wherever you get your books. Please, please grab a copy, order one from your library, ask for your bookstore, your local indie bookstore that you love to order it, get it from bookshop.org, get it in all the places. There are also audiobooks available from Audible, so please go grab that. I would love, love, love if you could read that. I am still on tour. I've been on just a little bit of a break, but between events, but next I'm going to Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, and New York City to wrap up the month. So please check out queerkidstuff.com slash live to see where I'm going to be next or check my Instagram or the Queer Kid Stuff Instagram. It's in all of those places. I would love to see you all at events. Shout out to the podcast listener who came to the book launch event at Powell's in Portland, Oregon. It was awesome to meet you face to face. Thank you so, so much for listening and for coming out to the book event. If you're not in any of the cities that I'm coming to, you are still in luck. I am putting on a virtual event through Queer Kids Stuff called Palooza. We did Palooza in 2020 during lockdown, but we're bringing it back because I've got a an incredible list of queer and trans family musicians and performers who are going to be performing five minute sets for you. We have the Alphabet Rockers Grammy Award winning the Alphabet Rockers. I've got Jules from Songs for Littles. I've got Ants on a Log. I've got the Strawberry Ops. I've got Banana Band. And Caitlin Becker just signed up, who is also known as Mika from Blippi. Maybe you know her. 5% 5% of all ticket sales are going to go to Rainbow Railroad, which is an organization that helps uh, LGBTQ plus folks get out of unsafe places and relocate. And the rest of the ticket sales are going to be split up between the queer and trans performers. So getting a ticket means you are supporting a queer and trans family performer. How cool is that? All right, I think that's all the business for now. Let's get to my conversation with Aaron. Erin. Welcome, my friends, to Wynneville Parenting. I am here with a very special guest, Erin Reed. Hello, Erin. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Of course. Can you um, just quickly introduce yourself in your own words, who you are, your pronouns, and how you identify?
1: Of course. My name is Erin Reed. I she her pronouns. Uh, I am a transgender woman and I also am an activist, a journalist, and I essentially report on all of the LGBTQ legislation, cultural issues, the movement, and by and large, uh, I've been tracking um, LGBTQ laws for the last three or four years now, as well as uh, working on healthcare resources for the trans community. And I do all of this on my uh, newsletter, erininthemorning.com. I'm um, also on Twitter and TikTok. I try to try to break down the news in as many ways as possible to reach as many audiences as possible.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And I like to come into this work as like whole humans. <laughs> um, so how are you doing today?
1: You know, it has um, been a week. I, my partner, Representative Zoe Zephyr, is fighting so hard in Montana mm-hmm. after they voted to uh, remove her from the floor for no other reason than essentially calling Republicans out on the anti-trans laws that they have, Uh, that has enormously blown up in their face. She has been given a bigger microphone and stage than I think any trans woman that I know. And so she's doing really, you know, a lot of good with it. She's reaching out Mm -hmm. to to people all over the, the country and even the world now about what attacks on trans people do to all of us, to cis people, to trans people, to all of the marginalized communities that are often targeted through undemocratic processes by the GOP. And so, keeping that in mind, and that like all of this is fresh for me right now,
0: yeah.
1: um, I I have just been working really hard and like helping her, and and still doing my work because I still have to report on the on the trans issues that are going on all over the country. People depend on on my reporting often, so that's where I am today. That is what I am coming into today with.
0: I appreciate that context so much, and like, I'm sending just like lots and lots of strength to you and to Zoe and like everything that you're doing, because I think that we forget so often that like this isn't just like you know big news headlines on mastheads, like this isn't just like the push notification on your phone. There are like real people who are being impacted by this, but also like real families, right? And I think that it's especially on like the social media apps, it's so easy to just like have an avatar and a handle and just forget that there are people behind this. So yeah, I appreciate you coming to this space with that context. And talking about stuff that's really hard right now right I you've been doing this for years now really like in the trenches of the doom scroll of the moment so I in talking about like bringing our whole selves to this like I I would love to hear like how how you got into this and like how you keep doing it because this is really hard personal work. So yeah, I'd just love to hear you speak to that a little bit. It is.
1: It is. And and you know, there there is like the doom scrolling aspect of things. But mm. I also one thing that I've tried to build so much into my reporting, my activism, my work is to find the good moments too, to find mm. the moments that to amplify that show that, you know, this is not a one-sided movement and we're not losing everywhere. Like that we are actually mm-hmm. seeing victories in places. We are progressing as a society. People are more trans people are coming out than ever. And mm-hmm. it is this cultural movement around defying the gender expectations that are that are predetermined by social, social norms at large that, that all of this context is occurring. in. you know, the, these laws are not passing in, in supermajority of Republican states because um, because everybody hates trans people, the, the reason that, that they're passing is because everybody loves trans people, mm-hmm. and they don't. And they're trying to bring that back. They're trying to pull that back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I think that the way that I do what I do is having followed these bills for four years, having mm-hmm. seen state legislatures open and close, debates happen, debates be won, debates be lost, and bills pass, bills fail. Mm-hmm. I know the cycles and I know that we're about to enter um into another cycle. And and this is this goes this happens every year, mm. where you have the legislative cycle that happens and you have laws that get passed. Mm. But then following that, you have the judicial cycle, which mm. is where all of these laws now have to stand up in court. And increasingly we are seeing that anti-trans laws are are becoming increasingly unconstitutionally drafted. They are mm. stretching the constitution and and defying the constitution in so many ways, like drag bans, they're clearly unconstitutional. Ideas that yeah. like you can ban male and female impersonators. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that like keeping keeping an eye on the fact that everything moves in cycles and like we mm-hmm. we we are progressing as a society, it's really important.
0: Mm, yes, I love that you're contextualizing it, of like all of this like awful stuff is happening. Because so many people are supporting and loving trans people right now, I think that that's such an interesting way of framing it that builds hope and optimism into everything that's happening and like remembering to like tell people to like step back from your Twitter feed for just a second and look at the bigger picture. So let's do that together a little bit. So from... We Before we kind of hopped on recording, I was talking about how we're kind of like an evergreen podcast. We don't like do super like current news. And the reason I wanted you to have you on in spite of the fact that you're a very current news person, because you're someone who has really been looking at this closely for a long time. And that means that you have pattern recognition. So talking about legislation and and that part of the cycle and the judicial cycle, can you just kind of like walk through what a year of this looks like and how you've seen that change over time? time that's absolutely. a big question so,
1: no 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 absolutely i've been watching this for a while so yeah. big question or not like i i've been doing this I, I got you so so whenever the january 1st comes along we usually mm-hmm. see the state legislatures open and they will um initially a good like 10 to 12 states will be the first ones that start to drop bills mm-hmm. and we'll learn like what they're going to plan and how they're going to plan to target the community mm-hmm. and so um you'll see like bills that target. Medi- medical bans, bills that target sports, bills that target mm-hmm. trans people in the schools, bathrooms, pronoun usage, drag, etc. Yeah, and and so you, you'll have all these introductions, and as the year goes on, you'll start to see these bills pass or fail. They'll go through committees, they'll get passed in one chamber, go to the other, get mm-hmm. edited or get get um you know get amended, and then get sent back. And so you follow this process. I watch all of the hearings, I report mm-hmm. on all of the hearings, and I try to gain. An understanding of like what the talking points are going to be this year because mm. you you start to learn that as you as you watch the hearings mm. you, you, you you get an idea of like what the uh talking points of the organization the anti-trans orgs are pushing mm. to these legislators and their then strategies
0: start to get <laughs> revealed right they're like showing their playing cards essentially
1: absolutely absolutely and so like you you gain that by watching mm. these hearings and then you'll You'll see how these hearings evolve over time and how like some of these strategies didn't quite work for them and how they've got to tweak things because of of, um, of ways in which their bills have been attacked. Mm-hmm. But then you move into um, most legislatures close around May and in May. Some go all years. So, like I'm always reporting no matter what, like there's always some hearing going on and there's always some legislature that's considering an anti-trans bill. And we've had that for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it gets into May, June, July, August, that's whenever the legislatures close, the the laws start to take effect, and they get challenged in court. And you know, fighting against these bills, we've got a really good track record in court. Uh, a lot of these bills are very clearly unconstitutional, and um, and courts have almost almost unanimously and almost universally paused the laws, at the very least, like put temporary mm-hmm. restraining orders on them, and then. Unfortunately, the court process is one that takes a really long time. and mm. so um in the Arkansas court case, whenever Arkansas passed their gender affirming care ban, that case has been in court for for you know a couple of years now, and it's it's probably going to stay in court for a while um and these these court hearings they take a long time. and I think that one of the biggest things to note is that um it, it feels like after a, a really rough legislative season like this year's mm-hmm. and 2022's, um, it's it's almost like you have to pick up the pieces. It's like mm-hmm. it's like getting hit by a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And you go, you analyze all the things that that went bad, you prioritize the things that you need to fix, and then you start the court fights. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, big things happen throughout the year. You know, I mean, you have celebrities that come out, you have new big moments, you have mm-hmm. Uh, moments of of joy, moments of, of sadness. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, but overall, the one pattern that I have seen is that despite what's happening in the legislatures, more and more and more people feel free to be themselves, feel mm-hmm. free to come out, feel free to express who they are. And I, I think that's a pattern that we will continue to see no matter what happens on the legal level.
0: Mm, do you think that's something that like has shifted in kind of like this year and what's happening? Because that's that's something that I've certainly seen as someone kind of like in these spaces as well. And I'm curious about like what those differences are that like make you hopeful. Yeah,
1: I think that you know, as time has gone on, even in the really tough year, like like this year. I've seen more people freely come out and more people, I, I mean, like at very high levels. I've seen we've seen celebrities come out. And and I think that the reason why we see that is because no matter what the attacks are doing at, at the state level and the state legislatures, trans people are cool, queer people are cool. And and like you have a community and 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 the people that are hiding because they're because they're rightfully afraid of like what the laws are going to do to them. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times those queer people that are closeted, even in this day and age, they see an ever increasing group of people who are free to be themselves. And they know that even in like the most, the most harmful States, you know, we we look at Florida where they're passing bathroom bans Mm -hmm. and yet queer people are are, are growing and thriving. And, and we always have. Like, I think that one of the things that gives me the best hope is that in the last several decades, LGBT people have come under attack many times. The Stonewall era, we had drag bands back in the 1960s and mm-hmm. that's how we got pride. We got pride with the enforcement of three articles of clothing laws that state that everybody had to be wearing three articles of clothing that matched their gender identity. and And yet, People still met. People still gathered. Trans people still existed and formed communities. And and, and you know they raided Stonewall over it. And the laws were terrible. And yet that was the birth of the modern LGBTQ movement, the liberation movement for, mm-hmm. for queer people. Like in the eighties and and, and the, the the AIDS crisis and how how medication was withheld from LGBT people. Mm-hmm. And yet we had stories of resilience where where people shared their medication and said, "Uh, oh, you know, like said, no, like I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this from, from the government. We're going to, we're going to take care of ourselves and our community. And, and where we had action, where we had some of the most creative protests and actions came from the act up movement in the eighties uh, to, to raise awareness for, for AIDS and, and medication and the LGBTQ movement. And, these actions and these protests were just, you know, they they got in your face. They they made these amazing news news making moments where where they would lay down in front of a church where Congress people were who were responsible for votes against against AIDS research or against affordable AIDS medication, like, and and then in the nineties and the two thousands, you know, we saw similar things. We saw with the with the gay rights movement and like gay marriage and they trotted out the ex-gays, just like they trot out the detransitioners today, the political detransitioners transitioners mm-hmm. all the hearings. And that, like, you know, th- this isn't a real thing. It's just a contagion. They said the same thing about gay people back in the 1990s and early mm-hmm. 2000s. They, instead of saying grooming, they said recruiting. That was the word back then. Mm-hmm. And all the slurs were still used back then. And And gay people were said to be dangerous around kids back then. But everybody knew that it wasn't true because people started coming out. And gay people were no longer this ephemeral other, like this person that you could hate. They were your brother, your cousin, your daughter. And and seeing that sort of strain of history continue, and now I look today. And I see the same thing. I see trans people coming out. I see people realizing that like they can't just hate on trans people as this ephemeral other because we are mm-hmm. now your we're your children. We are your friends were your colleagues you know us now and that's increasing every single day and i see also like people upholding the long thread of strong activism and action from the stonewall era Mm. from the 1980s and act up from the 1990s and and we're seeing right now some of the most amazing activism i saw lindsey sparrow in front of the florida board of medicine who told who, who they knew were about the ban gender affirming care. Mm-hmm. And so he stood there and he looked at them and he said, I know you're going to ban my care, mm-hmm. but you're not going to stop it. And I'm going to show you what it looks like. And he took his testosterone shot and administered it in front of the Florida board of medicine while staring them in the eyes, raised his fist and everybody stood up and cheered. And that's, that's the action. It shows resilience. It shows mm-hmm. that we are not a victimized community. We are a strong community that will fight back and that will attain our rights. It is not a question. We're going to do it. It's just a matter of how and how much we have to fight to do it.
0: Mm, I love that. And I love that video. If anyone that wants to check it out, please do. It's so good. This incredible trans activist who got up in front and just did his T-shot in front of all of these legislators. It is just, it was just really rad. It was, <laughs> it was so it cool. It was one
1: of the, one of the coolest moments. I watched it live, because I cover I cover all the hearings and that mm-hmm. was one of the hearings that I was watching and I, I was stunned. I was, just, my mm.
0: mind was blown. And I love, I want to continue talking about these kind of like joyful, creative ways of uh, of resistance because I think that they've really been popping up and I just think they're so cool and uh, just speak to like the creativity of the movement and like personally as a creative person and artist I-, I think that that really speaks to like the storytelling of the movement itself and like what you're talking about of like the history and like the cycle of like this is not new these arguments are not new and yet we're coming up with new and creative ways to express ourselves and express our movement right and something I think it was a video that you posted posted of um, marbles that got put out. Can you talk about that one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think this was Michael Knowles who, you know, has called for transgender eradication somehow managed to get a speech on University of Iowa's campus. And, you know, you had all of the fascist supporters kind of going in there and listening to him talk about eliminating trans people and like banning all of our care, everybody, and just pulling all the people off medication. And There were strong student protests against it. There were more people that were way more people protesting than showed up to the speech, and these students that protested in Iowa, they came up with very creative actions that just completely gummed up the entire speech. I don't even think Michael Knowles got to give his speech. I think he had to leave, and it it slowed everything down. So, like one thing they did was um, they they took a thousand marbles and like blocked one of the entrances by essentially. Home aloneing is like the home alone. Brilliant movie. It's just it pour the marbles onto the floor. And so all of all of the, the Michael Knowles fascists, like they all left the door and they saw the marbles everywhere. So they had to go in like this little single file line. They looked ridiculous. They were <laughs> like knocking the marbles aside with their feet and kind of shuffling through really slowly. And then they couldn't go out of that door. They had to go out, out across the other door where they then had to go through the protesters and they had to essentially confront the people that they just talked about in that room that they were in who they were just talking about eradicating. And mm-hmm. so like, that's, that's the creativity right there. And then right outside, as they came out, the Iowa University of Iowa pep band was playing like a, a big, a big song about like how terrible Michael Knowles was. It was, mm-hmm. that's the creativeness. And like, I think that, I think that that kind of action is really important. And that kind of creativity in your action is really important because it's one thing to just be a crowd protesting. But that is something that, like, whenever you're a crowd protesting, yeah, like it's good, and I, I will always stand for protesting. But, like, you play that on TV, and like people tune it out it's a protest, okay? Yes. Somebody protest, blah blah blah. Whenever you're creative, number one, it gets people's attention, number two, they can't fundraise off of it, they can't mm. use this as saying, Look at these violent people, because we're, in reality, if they try to play the video of them shuffling through marbles, they look ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I can imagine playing that like a GOP like gala, and like being like, "Oh yeah, we're like going up against these kids with marbles." Like,
1: <laughs> right, 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 like exactly. Um, in in Florida, there was just another creative action. They were about to pass a ban on adult um, um, uh, uh, healthcare coverage for trans mm. people. And also a sports fan, I had like genital inspections. It was just mm. like a whole a whole yeah. terrible thing. And so activists in Florida were in the gallery and they took clean underwear. They had clean underwear and they wrote things like, uh, get your politics out my pants, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. And then they all at the same time threw them over. And like the underwear were landing on like Republican senators' heads. Amazing. And, and like, again, you can't play that and fundraise off that. Like they're not going to signal loose that because if there's one thing that, that fascists hate the most, it's mm. being made to look like like a moron. It's being mm-hmm. made to look like the butt of a joke. They hate that because their entire thing is an image of power and like mm-hmm. modernity and manhood and, and patriarchy and, and like, it's hard to look like a powerful patriarch whenever you have underwear on your face and you're shuffling through marbles.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I I love this kind of like train that we're going on right now because I think, especially in like my line of work as mostly a children's performer, um, I think there's something really childlike in a joyful way about it. And like, that's not to infantilize it by any means. I'm talking about that in like a respect for young people and their imaginations and the way that young folks, especially young trans folks are in a way leading the movement right now. And I'm, I'm curious about your perspective on like the childlikeness and like the inner childness of that for trans people. And also like from your perspective as a trans person who's a parent as well. So I'm really curious to hear you speak to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, youth are leading, leading the movement right now. The
0: um, recent Trans Day Visibility,
1: Visibility Marches, which were some of the biggest Trans Day Visibility Marches I've seen in the last mm. several years, were just packed with with people. And like, we saw these massive protests and massive marches, and they were all led by an organization called Queer Youth Assemble. Mm. And QIA, like, they messaged me, you know, uh, about a year ago to let me know that they were planning this. And like, Small Twitter account, like 100 followers and stuff, but they had real world networks of young people that were just getting Mm. together and planning this and they succeeded. They got off protests in every single state, marches in every single state. I even saw a little march in Florence, Alabama, like this little tiny Alabama town. And so young people are leading the movement. And I think that that sort of childlike creativity that you mentioned or that youthful creativity that, that you mentioned... Um, is important because I think that what it what it shows is that yes, we will resist, but also we will resist joyfully. Mm. And we have joy in our lives and we have fun. And we you are not going to, no matter what hate that you put in the, into this world, you're not gonna drown out queer joy. Mm-hmm. And you talk to, you know, you talk to queer people all the time, and like you'll hear people say that queer joy is one of the most profound things that you can experience as an LGBTQ person Mm -hmm. and getting out of an oppressive society and community or, or family situation and and being among people who love you and care for you for who you are and enjoying life. I, I think that whenever you see people playing in a marching band after a Michael Knowles documentary or after a Michael Knowles speech, like, it's fun, they're having fun they're they're enjoying themselves. people are laughing and celebrating mm-hmm. and and like the the right is going to try to paint it as like violent and extreme, but it's hard to do whenever you see a bunch of smiling people and a bunch of laughing people and a bunch of people that are just there for each other and making you look like morons and so, yeah, I think that like youthful creativity is important in in actions that people take and in protest and in ways in which we resist and we've seen that like we've seen that in so many different ways i you know i i was watching for my partner representative zephyr out in montana and i i didn't know like we i I had no idea that there was going to be you know any sort of like protest for her it was just i knew that she was about to get silenced again and again and again and people had seen Mm -hmm. that and so they showed up and they all showed up with like red gloves in their hand because she Mm -hmm. had said that if you pass a gender-affirming caravan that De-transitioned youth you've got blood on your hands that's mm-hmm. what pissed them off so much just that that phrase which has been used before yeah and that phrase just pissed them off so much and they and they they silenced her and didn't allow her to speak and so like you had this big group of people that showed up that showed up with red gloves that was creative and you had you know like waiting for her to to not be allowed to speak and then they all said to let her speak and and so like it's all of this creativity all of this youthful celebration i know that like um following all of this and like after she's been censured from the legislature and mm-hmm. she still gets to vote. Uh in Missoula, like today, the day that we're recording this, mm-hmm. there is going to be a massive rally in her home city. And it is billed as a rally for queer joy. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Like they're gonna have drag queens there. They're gonna have yeah and you know I mentioned drag queens. I just saw a protest in Florida. That was like five hundred drag queens showed up in the rotunda.
0: Oh, that sounds like, like so much fun!
1: Right, five hundred drag queens. I love that so much. It's it's just that's like, a lot of drag
0: queens. That's a <laughs> lot of drag queens.
1: And, <laughs> and drag queens are in and of themselves often very dominant personalities mm-hmm. with, with larger than life roles. And mm-hmm. so to see that many in one place was just it was beautiful.
0: Oh. That's gorgeous. I I love the, just the image of five hundred like healed up, like full makeup, full, full makeup, face. big old
1: wigs. It's great. I love it.
0: oh it amazing, amazing. I like hope they had like stacks of like band picture books with them too, and just like we're doing story type Yeah, they, they like
1: they, they chant it like drag is not a crime. Mm. They like had yeah books. It was great.
0: oh beautiful. Thank you to the .gay domain for sponsoring this episode. Have you ever wanted an online identity that accurately reflects who you are? Well, look no further because .gay is here. The new .gay domain extension sponsors today's episode, and we are so excited because they are offering free .gay URLs for our listeners. The .gay domain is committed to providing a safer internet for LGBTQ communities by banning and taking down hateful sites. They also donate 20% of revenue, not just profit, of new domain registrations to LGBTQ organizations. So not only can you get an online identity that represents you, but you can also contribute to great causes. Since launching in 2020, over 18,000 individuals, organizations, and businesses have registered a .gay domain name. But wait, there's more head over to www.rainbowparenting.gay and get a free .gay domain name of your choice for your own website or brand courtesy of their registrar partner, Pork Bun, for one whole year. Now, isn't that something? Again, that's www.rainbowparenting.gay for a whole free year of the domain name of your choice. It's time to stand up for LGBTQ communities Show your support with a .gay domain name and help change and create a more inclusive and safer internet. I know we definitely need that. .gay because .com is just not gay enough. I am so curious because we're talking so much about joy and trans joy and queer joy and and, and kids and all of this stuff. And I think I'm, my guess is that listeners maybe didn't come into listening to this conversation thinking that that would be our focus, right? Because there's so much like, ugh, awful stuff happening. And I'm really curious how you hold those two things for yourself. Because I know for like my work as like a trans kids, performer, creative maker, like, there's this double-edged swordness to what I do, right? That, like, something that is so full of joy and that, like, fulfills me so fully can also be something that, like, really sparks this horrific vitriol from people. So I'm curious how you kind of, like, deal with those two sides of this work for yourself.
1: Yeah, You know, I think that, like, I report on very terrible things yeah. often, and I have to. I mean, I Part of what I, part of my goal, is to let cisgender people know what is going on mm. in a way that they can't drown it out. Mm. So that's why I'm on TikTok and like making videos that, that go viral on on these issues and on these bad laws sometimes. Mm. And that's why I'm tweeting about this stuff, because I think that it it has been ignored for so long, and it, and it's finally like people are starting to finally pick up on it. Yeah. But but also like. I don't think that there's room for defeatism in the movement. I, mm. I don't, I don't. And like, there are some people that will, that will lean too far, I think, into defeatism. Mm. And I, I just, I don't think that there's room for that. I think that it's important to amplify those moments of resistance, those moments of joy, anytime we see it. And, and that's what I try to do. You know, I, I try to be there every time a good moment comes along and report on it and make sure that like people know that that no matter what's going on out there, like we still have, we still have victories that we are celebrating. I am watching several states become safe states for trans people mm. and become refuges and Minnesota Colorado, California, New Jersey, all of these states. There's, there's so many more that have said, like, if you come to my borders, we will protect you. We will not allow your medical records to be subpoenaed across state lines. Mm. Your healthcare is protected here. And like, and those are the things that that show that like this is not a one sided movement. We are getting better in so many places, and even in some of the, even in some of the worst places, like even in places like Missouri, where they're banning care just across the board and they're doing horrid things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing uh, uh, states like Kansas City say that they are potentially going to defy state law, mm. and that's the resistance that we need. Like we we don't need to have compliance with unconstitutional violations of human rights. And, mm. and I think increasingly we are seeing fight. We're seeing fight back, not just from trans people, but from our allies as well.
0: Mm. I want to talk more about these wins. Um, tell me about some of your favorite wins that you've kind of mm. seen so far. And that that's not just for this year. I'm curious about like past wins as well in, you know, the time span you've been looking at all this stuff.
1: Of course, you know, it's like I, I mentioned, safe state laws and mm-hmm. refuge laws, and those are great. And there's also like healthcare laws that have been passed. Just in, in Maryland, there was one that gave gender, for, modern gender, from care standards of care to all trans people. So anything in WPATH eight, we're talking everything from voice therapy to, mm-hmm. to uh, hair removal to everything. And like these are all good, but I think that the bigger victories have been the massive school walkouts the, mm. in, in Virginia, the, the tens of thousands of people that stood up against Glenn Youngkin's transphobic policies, the the massive walkouts in Florida, the, um, and I'm like, actually, whenever I talk about like the moments that really give me hope and the moments that are like real victories for me, mm-hmm. I think about some of the big personal stories that have come out there that, that are just beautiful to see. um, You know, like, in my own case, with with representative Zephyr with, with my partner, Zoe Mm. Zephyr, um, you know, like they didn't, they did something really terrible to her. They did something horrible to her and like Mm. banning her from the house floor. But, but it's also a victory in in some ways because now people see her on, on TV everywhere and and in the BBC, CNN on, on MSNBC on, on John Dickerson, meet the press, everything. And, and like, we we have a trans person that is standing up for us, like on all the stations. When's the last time we had a trans woman talking about trans health care on every major media network? Mm-hmm. Like these are the victories that come in resistance are beautiful. And then also, on a more personal note, I I recently about a, it was about a year ago actually,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I got a a message from um, from a trans girl and. Louisiana. And let me preface this by saying that I come from a very small rural town in Louisiana. Mm. I knew I was trans whenever I was 17 years old, nine years old, 10 years old. I knew I was trans like throughout my teenage years. Mm -hmm. And I remember how hard it was to to be like this trans kid in Louisiana Mm -hmm. and to like, I tried to show it, but like I couldn't because it was impossible to transition as like 10, 11, 12 year old kid in yeah. the South in rural Louisiana back in the 1990s. And so I was relentlessly bullied. It was like this hor- horrible experience. My high school, my, yeah. my junior high, high school experience was very, very traumatizing. So I get this message from this trans girl who goes to a school 20 minutes from where I grew up. And she said, Hey, Erin, I know that you cover all these trans topics. I follow your work. I love your work. Um, and I just wanted to let you know I go to this high school uh, and I. I was recently nominated to the homecoming court and I cried because like I grew up. I knew, I knew what it was like. I remember how, how horrible. And to know that like a school 20 minutes away from me, I know, I know what that town is like, how she not only was accepted by her peers, but celebrated by her peers. They put her on the back of a car with her dad and drove her around the stadium, like and cheered that is how you change things. That is how we win. And so those are those are the biggest victories for me.
0: Oh my gosh. I have Goosebubs, you're welling up my eyes like I'm getting emotional thank you for sharing that story that's really gorgeous and like the I I so appreciate you talking about like okay this like massive like visibility win for your partner Zoe representative Zoe Zephyr and then this like really micro incredibly personal uh, story of, of, of a win that like is so unique and specific to you and you experience and how we can have these big giant wins that help us shift the cultural space and the zeitgeist and the discussion on the much larger scale. But like what that ends up trickling down to is these everyday small things that don't feel small to the individual people, because that is like true emotional, personal, familial impact. And that is truly what's going to change things. Do you agree? I
1: agree entirely. And like, let me even further say yeah. that that these
0: things, as
1: as broadly different as they are in in scale and scope, mm-hmm. they come from the same thread. They come from yeah. the thread of people seeing a trans person able to experience their lives and 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 be celebrated. And and I think that that you know we all cis and trans have increasingly gotten to know other queer people mm. and they come into our lives in in a variety of ways and whether it be on a big national tv set or mm-hmm. in your local high school being voted to the local homecoming court trans people are here now like we are we have arrived we are we have always been here but we have made our presence known we have stepped out of the darkness mm-hmm. and 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 i think that Every single person that does that at every level, merely coming out is an act of resistance. And mm. and I think that, you know, I, I get asked this a lot. I, a lot. A lot of people ask me, like, yeah, um, you know, I really care about trans rights. And I just like I don't know how to how to move things forward. How do I yeah. how how do I be an activist? Am I comfortable being an activist? Like is do I have to be an activist? And like, What I always say is that, no, in fact, I would say the majority of trans people should not be activists in the the traditional sense. Instead, the best way to be active, the best way to advance trans people and trans liberation as a whole is to do what you love. Mm -hmm. And if that means being a trans person that makes an amazing video game, if that means being a trans person that plays a song that goes viral on the internet, if that means a trans person that tries to get onto the homecoming court and puts her name mm-hmm. in and gets voted in. If that means a trans person that becomes a hairstylist for all of your local community, that is activism. Like mm. living your life as a trans person and doing what you love is activism. You don't have to be always on the internet arguing or like, you don't all have to be at all the rallies and leading things. Like I would even argue that like, that should not be the majority of your activism the majority of your activism should be being yourself, doing the things you love. Because if you are showing that to the world, they are going to see that. And they're going to realize that like you can transition and be successful, be loved, be happy. And and that's queer joy. Again,
0: Mm -hmm. is
1: where we tie everything back together. It's, it's, it's the thing that binds the movement going forward.
0: Yeah. I, I 100% agree. Just like, queer and trans people, trans people in particular, just like being yourself and like living your day-to-day life as yourself authentically is contrib- contribution to the movement, contribution to how we can be, how like about the quality of our visibility, right? Because like, you know, visibility is not enough. That's been a big kind of discussion point in all of this. And it's about like, okay, how can we, Talk about the quality of that visibility and, like, that's just about trans people living their lives openly and day-to-day because, like, we are, yeah, your parents, your children, your colleagues, your any (laughs) – there could be trans people in your life in all fashions of it. And I'm curious – I'm curious about how you shift that conversation of like, what do I do when you're talking to a cis straight audience? And I'm curious in the ways that that conversation is actually maybe similar to what you're talking to trans people about, of like, just be yourself authentically. Because I my philosophy personally and what I like to talk about, especially to parents and educators and people who are in community with young people, is – being and understanding trans issues for yourself, interrogating your own gender and creating an environment around you that is normalizing queerness and transness. And I, I, there are a lot of different words that we could use <laughs> to talk in that way. But I'm I'm curious about how that conversation shifts for you when you're talking to that cis straight audience.
1: So I give a lot of public speeches, you know, mm-hmm. about public speaking and stuff like that. I go to orgs companies, you know, colleges. And, mm-hmm. and I get this question a lot yes. about like how how as a cis person can I better support trans people. Mm-hmm. And my answer is to consume trans content, befriend mm-hmm. trans people, include transness in your life, queerness in your life. And mm-hmm. so like let me be specific, you know, yeah. I, I will I'll then go into I'll then go into saying that read books. That have trans authors. There are hundreds out there that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Read books that have trans and queer characters in them. Diversify your input stream. Watch movies that have trans actors and queer actors. Mm-hmm. Watch, you know, listen to music from trans content creators and trans musicians. There are, there are queer people and trans people that are doing amazing things out there and supporting them, both economically and in consuming their content and 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 working with the with what they produce. And then also like ensuring that those voices are represented, not just like in your media stream, but like in your community. Mm -hmm. Befriend trans people. Like get to know the ones in your life. Don't just I I think that like a lot of people have this idea that trans people are just always about transness. And that's not true. Like I think most trans people that I know have like these really amazing, cool things that they can do that, Mm -hmm. but like if you get to know them. You learn that, like, oh yes, you're a trans unicycler. I, I went to a college campus in, in University of Connecticut a, a couple of weeks ago. And like I was, I was gonna talk about this. And whenever I was like, you know, trans people always have like these amazing, like it seems like everyone that I meet has like this amazing, cool thing that they know how to do or like this this cool interest. And like literally on the campus, I had seen a trans unicycler riding around. And I'm Incredible. Just like, that's so cool. Like, look at this person. Uh and so like I think that I think that just ensuring that that these voices represent it because we're all everybody that's older than like than like 12 really is is having to deprogram a lot mm-hmm. of negative stereo, stereotyping content that we have gotten from the media. I one thing that I often recommend people watch is the disclosure documentary, mm-hmm. which goes into how the media has shaped how we all view transness and how we all view trans people, including trans people who who have the Deal with our own internalized transphobia because of the way yes. that the media has depicted us. You know, if you go and and you watch any comedy older than 2011, there is a 50-50 shot that you're going to get a just a wanton transphobic joke. Yeah. And, and like the, where the punchline is man in a dress or the punchline is ugly androgynous person. Mm-hmm. If you look at Saturday Night Live for for years, there was a skit called It's Pat where the entire punchline was look at this ugly androgynous person and mm-hmm. I don't know their gender. And that was, that was the entirety of it. You know, if you like, if you look back at old movies, trans people are either the butt of a joke or the target of a crime or the perpetrator of a crime. Mm-hmm. And and like, we're getting past that now. Like we're finally getting after 2011, 2012, we finally started getting representation that was not negative. You know, your are Laverne Coxes of the world. You're, your Elliot pages of the world. And like, we're finally seeing advancement. We're seeing movement forward. And, and that's, I think that again, is like how as, as a cisgender ally, if you want to sort of like, do that sort of activism. and it, it it involves doing that personal work of
0: mm-hmm. of
1: changing your input streams, getting over the things that that we've all been sort of programmed to see trans people as.
0: Mm, yeah. It just like reminded me of, um, I had to turn off the first Paddington movie because there's a trans like woman in a dress scare scene. And I was just like, it's, thank like you. It's,
1: it's thrown in just like
0: gratuitously, yes. you know,
1: like you see it in, in so much old movies and like, I don't, I hate watching old comedies because I'm just like, there's probably going to be a transphobic joke in here somewhere.
0: Yes, exactly. I'm curious about how you would specify this conversation as, as a parent for other parents. And when we're specifically talking about approaching, like what can we do when we're talking about being in relationship with young people and children of in course. particular? Yeah, yeah. So
1: like, you know, as, as a parent that I had to, that that transition whenever my kid was mm-hmm. three and, you know, he's now almost eight years old. Um mm-hmm. uh, one of the best things that I did, and, and have ever after having done this, I've given this as a like a task for cis people, even if they're not trans, is to read books that include queer and trans characters and queer relationships and 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 parents like two moms in a relationship or mm-hmm. two dads or non-binary parents and like there there are lots of books that have inclusivity. There's lots of there's lots of um, Children's programming that has inclusivity. Owl House, amazing show. Yes, amazing. Yes. I cried at the finale of Owl House mm. with my son. We both had, we both watched every episode together. And like there's really good LGBT representation in it. And that helps because, like, for him, he saw families that looked like his family. And and that that is huge. Just somebody who sees a certain type of family always on the TV. Mm. And and then like you can see another type of family. And that's that's beautiful. And I think mm. that. You know, um, it doesn't. Be, it doesn't even only have to be like straight up trans and queer uh, content that like you you read and and show to your to your ch- uh, children. You can also like. There's this book called "Red: A Crayon Story." Mm-hmm. I, I I love this book, and uh, if your listeners have not heard of this book, I highly suggest that Like you you go out, even if you're an adult, it's a really good book. It's it's short. As um, a whole, point of the story is that. There is a crayon who is clearly blue. You see the blue crayon wax, but who has a red label. And they keep on trying to make this crayon red. They say, "Go color some strawberries. Go and go and and color some cherries." And and this crayon keeps failing and and the crayon keeps being told that, like, no, you're just going to try harder. Like, it's, it's really hard. You, you probably have, like, some things that are messed up inside. They put some tape on the crayon. And then, like, eventually somebody accepts the crayon and says, draw an ocean for me. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful story. And, and you know, the, <laughs> the interesting thing is, like, the point of the story is obviously, like, you know, your, your label does not define who you are. Mm-hmm. And it, it reads like a, like a queer and trans story. But in reality, it was written by an autistic person who was really writing about autism. And it just goes to show that like, there's so much intersectionality here. There's so much cross content here where where, like these issues overlap with one another, bodily autonomy, disability rights, trans Mm -hmm. queerness, LGBT rights, you know, racism in society, like all of these things are part of the same fight, and and finding those connections, diversifying how we represent our families to ourselves and to our children, and raising our kids to be comfortable in a world where there are families that might not look like their own is is so important.
0: Beautiful. I I for one love Red a Crayon story. I read it at story times all the time, and I love that you added in like the little piece of like the author being neurodivergent. I. I'm struggling to remember if like the author is autistic. I also think he wrote it maybe for his like dyslexic or son, yeah, it was something, something it like that. Something
1: around that. I, I remember it was like, there was like some neurodivergence yes. stuff going on there. And like, but I know that it's been picked up by like all yes. these different communities because yes. it's, it is relevant and there's not a single, there's no trans or queer explicitness in, in there at all. Like there's not, mm-hmm. nobody is LGBT explicitly in it. It is just about labels and about yes. being yourself. And I think that that, that is a lesson that even if you're not trans and even mm-hmm. if you don't have a trans kid, that is a lesson we can all learn. Cisgender, straight, trans, queer is that rejecting labels that, that tell you to be this one person that you don't feel comfortable with and drawing your own ocean
0: mm. is is
1: so important.
0: Oh, what a gorgeous way to wrap that up. Um, yeah, I, I think, and this is like just taking a moment to plug my book real quick. Um, Rainbow Parenting, your guide to raising queer kids and their allies. I actually talk about Red A Crayon story in the book a little bit because okay. it's about. First of all, it's about coalition building. Like, we're all fighting the same many-headed monster, right? Like, that's part of it. And that's a reason why I think all of these communities can read themselves into a book like that. But also, like, in in tandem with that, like, we're all fighting the same many-headed monster. But, like, we are all different and we all have just a different kind of difference. And the fact that we're all different... Uh, we're all different from each other actually is a commonality amongst us. Um, exactly. So that's kind of, uh, hopefully that's the like galaxy brain moment of all I love of us. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. I, before we like start wrapping up, I want to maybe get a little predictive, uh, but like looking forward toward the future and like what wins are you looking forward to? Yeah. So um,
1: I, I think that moving forward we are going to continue to see people come out we are going to mm. see more celebrities we're going to see more people in our local communities like this this is not something that's going to stop you cannot stop this this is the cultural tide mm. and i also know that like we're going to have more bad laws like this is something yeah. that we're going to have to face but but i'm hopeful and i do think that together we will get through the hard moments and like there will be some hard ones. And I strongly, strongly recommend that like you build your local communities, you look at your local LGBT orgs, your local mutual aid organizations, you build them, you support them because they're going to be doing the work whenever things are hard. But as we've learned from every other time they've tried to push back the tide, eventually it comes in. Mm. And when it does, it's beautiful. You know, we see gay people now like in loving relationships all over the all over the united states we see lgbt bars exist now (laughs) like they tried to shut them down 50 years ago but Mm -hmm. i think that we're gonna see trans people as a part of your everyday life with not even a second glance Mm -hmm. and and that that day's coming i am fighting for it i'm I think that a lot of your listeners are are also fighting for it. Mm -hmm. And for those who aren't, and for those who are just trying to get by, you know, we didn't ask to be put in this situation. We did Mm -hmm. not ask to be put on the razor's edge of history, whenever it comes to trans rights. But like, I do believe that the moral arc of the universe does bend towards justice and that Mm -hmm. we're the
0: ones that have to bend it. And that's what we're doing. Oh, gorgeous. Okay. Okay. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about?
1: You touched on most of the things that I like to touch on that usually I add in this section. Great. So for instance, you know, <laughs> things like how how cisgender people can be a part of this and how mm-hmm. how how these things affect cisgender people. And like, you know, this is by and large a movement that is not just queer and trans. It is a movement for individual bodily autonomy and your own right to choose the destiny of your life and mm. to direct your own path. And so I think that that's something we can all get behind. And, and I'm hopeful that that your listeners, cis, trans, queer, not queer, um, understand how important it is. Like we're building a coalition. We're building a multi-general, multi-racial, multi-ethnic uh, movement of mm. people who, who care about this stuff. And I'm hopeful for that. I, I see it and I it will work. I, I truly believe that.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Cool. Plug away. Tell us where to find you on the internet, all the things you're up to.
1: Of course, my newsletter is www.erininthemorning.com. You can also find me at Erin in the morn on Twitter, Erin in the morning on TikTok, Erin in the morning on Instagram. I'm try I try to be on all of the social media sites so that way you can keep track of the news no matter where you're at.
0: Beautiful. All right, thank you so much for having on the pod. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, that was my conversation with Erin Reed. Make sure you go and follow her and subscribe to her newsletter and all the things that she's doing that she just mentioned. As always, you can find me on the internet at Linz Amer, L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R. And you check out everything that we do at Queer Kid Stuff at Queer Kid Stuff, also at QueerKidStuff.com. Don't forget to buy my book and make sure you grab your ticket to Palooza on June 28th. Folks who are a friend of Teddy's on the Queer Kid Stuff Patreon get access to episodes of this podcast early and ad-free, so head on over there if you want that in your life. All right, my friends, that's all I got for now. Talk soon. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Lynz Eimer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzia.